Hey everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Miss Independent. Today, I'm here with a bit of an internet celebrity, the founder of Maple Money, Tom Drake. We will be chatting about his journey with blogging and podcasting, starting out from humble beginnings to becoming one of the most popular Canadian personal finance brands, as well as advice he has for people looking to begin their own content creation journey. So if you've thought about starting a blog or podcast, this is a sign that's telling you to go for it. Do it right after you listen to this episode, and I hope you enjoy. I am here today with Tom Drake, an awesome money blogger and podcaster. He is the creator of Maple Money. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? So I'm out here in Alberta, and uh, I started Maple Money back in in 2009, and, and then I've more recently started a podcast in 2018. Basically, it was kind of just chronicling my my money journey. Uh, it, it wasn't too long after I sort of got into personal finance, started devouring books and everything that, that I started my blog. So it, it kind of grew with me um, throughout the more than a decade now. And I'd like to add everything on there as, as I as I grow with it and, and let people just come along for the ride. So what is your relationship with money? My relationship with money's changed over time. Speaking of those those earlier days uh, when it, when I started getting concerned about my finances, I went very far down the frugality route. Uh, I, I wanted to save every penny, turn that thermostat down a couple extra degrees, uh, all the all these all these uh, little frugal hacks that that save you money but it, eventually more and more I, I realized that you can only go so far with that so then I, I started to pivot more towards the earning money side and and realizing that sort of that uh, having an additional income plus working on your career at the same time was a was a better net effect than, than trying to save a few dollars here and there Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen like a lot of Mr. Money Mustache or Mustachians that are just super frugal. And I'm just like, wow, like this is a really intense way of living. And I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I think it's very important to have a good balance between both. So today's topic is all about your blog and podcast. I'm really excited to dive deep into this because you have one of the most successful Canadian personal finance blogs. So you started your blog in 2009. What inspired you to start just documenting everything on the internet? Yeah, it was it was interesting back then. There were some Canadian blogs sort of in, in personal finance, but uh, none of those bloggers are still around today. So it was interesting in that I, I owe them a lot of credit for getting me, uh, helping me with my finances, but then also uh, giving me this idea that I, I can add a different voice uh, on on the topic. But uh, since none of them are still around, uh, a lot of people think I'm one of the the oldest bloggers, but it's it's kind of just by attrition. Uh, people have just <laughs> come and gone uh, in in the in Canadian personal finance. There were definitely a lot of bloggers around before me that that gave me the the idea that I could do the same uh, at, at the time. Yeah, I guess it's just like you're in it for the long haul. How did you stay motivated all of these years? That's a good question. One of the things I always tell new bloggers is is that you have to pick a topic that you're you're passionate about because 
it's quite common that you're not going to to make any money to to have a new form of motivation. So at the time, you got to go on on passion alone. At the same time, though, I think there's there's a sort of a breaking point there where your 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 passion will dwindle uh, if if you don't have something else to to compensate you for that time. So it's 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 a bit of a weird mix of of two graphs where where you you got to go for that that first uh, six months, maybe it's a year on passion, um, but then you you need something to to make that time worth it for you because you probably can't go on passion alone forever. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that it's a lot more work than people think that it is because. Even when I started, I was like, oh, doing a podcast, I'll just, you know, record something and it'll be 30 minutes and I'll throw it on and it'll be great. And I didn't realize that there would be so much extra work involved. Yeah, there's there's a lot of bloggers that 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 come into that same idea that, that they see someone else doing it and, and readers, regular readers probably think this too, but if someone's looking to start a blog... Um, they often think, oh, I could write one post a week. I could write two posts a week. I could record that episode uh, once a week. But you're right. What you got to realize is that that public facing part of it is is often like maybe 10% of your time. Uh, in, in, in the case of your podcast, there's there's editing behind the scenes uh, yeah. and, and, and all these extra steps. Uh, there's there's promoting it, making sure that, that people realize it exists. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say like if, if someone just looks at at a blog post or a podcast episode, they're, they're missing a lot of the extra work that goes on behind the scenes. What has been your most successful blog post? Um, that's changed a lot over time. There's been times where it was uh, around uh, the best robo-advisors or how to buy stocks. Uh, the, the beginning of um, the, this whole COVID mess, uh, one of the posts that uh, started to to jump in traffic was actually how to clean with bleach. Oh my gosh! Uh, people just wanted to to make sure they were killing everything off. Right now, and it makes sense. Uh, I have a post called "60 Ways to Make Money Online," and and that's been uh, getting a lot of traction. I, I think people are looking for for ways to to supplement their income, or maybe they're even jobless this year. Mm-hmm. And online is the perfect way to do it in 2020. If if you can find some kind of side hustle where where you can make a little extra money. Um, to, to either yes, to either add to your income or potentially just survive with with it because you don't have any current job. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm seeing a lot of YouTubers pop up and things like that too, all talking about how to make money online. And across like money Twitter and Instagram, I'm seeing a lot of people saying like it's so important to have more than one stream of income. And I think that's also part of it too. Yeah, having multiple streams of income is is kind of the same as when when you hear the advice of diversify your portfolio. Uh, it, it's it's the same thing. You don't you don't want to go all in on one thing. If you're all in on your career, and you lose that job, you might be without anything. Mm-hmm. And and also it's it's just it's harder to get ahead in a current current kind of career model uh, where where raises are often just barely keeping up with inflation. Uh, you, you could go year after year of <laughs> just getting these kind of inflation raises. So, so when you when you come up with something else on top of that, it's it's a chance for you to kind of control that a little more. Maybe, maybe you can make your own ten percent raise that year just by by having something extra on the side. Yeah, and I think that's yeah super attractive to a lot of people. So, how were you able to grow and attract new readers when you were first starting out? 
all the ways possible. When I say like that there's so much extra work behind the scenes, this involves things like uh, as a blogger, maybe maybe guest posting on other sites, uh, lots of uh, different social media platforms. Um, you're you're networking with other people. You're you're trying to get your content seen. You're even sending it out to your friends and stuff when when you're starting, especially uh, just to gain that that traction. But I think sort of promoting your your content is takes more time and is more important than than creating it. And and that's not to say that the content isn't important, but if if nobody sees it, if nobody hears it, you're not you're not really helping. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so if if it's great to make helpful content that that you you believe in, it's not about it's not it's not just about running it as a business. It's it's if you really want to help people, they still got to find it. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I've definitely noticed. I've noticed that promoting and marketing is very difficult, very time consuming. And what I'm personally finding is that just connecting with other people on, for example, like money Instagram or something, it's just like a lot of the money Instagrammers talking to each other, interacting with each other, and we're just preaching to the choir. From there, like how are you able to reach other people, like people who may actually need this information? Yeah, I've never understood... I, I'm no Instagram expert, but I've seen the same thing with Twitter even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that yeah, you do get this preaching to the choir or you get uh, other bloggers commenting on your blog. And it, it's, it, it's almost like everybody's writing for their, their friends in, in the niche kind of thing. And yeah, I, I agree completely that those aren't the people you should be spending your time reaching out to for different reasons. The, the, the building a network, ha- having them share your content, great. But you you do want to find your, your actual uh, listener in your case or, or reader of a blog. You, you need to find that, that person that you're actually trying to help and, and not just impress that other podcaster, that other blogger um, with, your, with your latest piece of content. It's not easy to, to find them, but it's, it's definitely where you need to, to focus. And, and yeah. that's why I like the idea of going out to regular people that you know um, and asking them to share it with another regular person. I think my podcast specifically has been more of that, uh, more word of mouth that, that it gets to the, the next person in that, that person's circle that, that could use that information. With the blog, it was more SEO focus, which is search engine optimization, just, just uh, answering a question that someone's going to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, if you're, if you're not writing in a way that, that people can find you on Google, then you're not helping them. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're coming to Google with questions. So, so why not be they're answering that question for them. So what are some challenges that you faced when you were growing your blog? I, th- I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges was maybe a, a slight lack of patience. Uh, <laughs> there, there was definitely a time where I, I felt I should be growing quicker. You, you, can, you can get into a, a nasty um, mindset where you're, you, you start comparing yourself to other people and if those other people started before you, then it's it's not a fair comparison. So what I've been trying to do, I'm still struggling with this, but what I try to do more now is compare myself to where they were at the time. One of my uh, favorite examples is uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, the Joe Rogan experience. It's like one of the top, maybe the top podcasts out right now. But if you look at episode one, that'll show you that 
you can just get started and, and just keep pushing forward. There's, there's no, uh, you don't have to have this idea of uh, perfection and, and you don't have to compare yourself to others. You, you can just start and, and, and move forward. And for too long, I was making that comparison. It was, uh, oh, you, you've got more traffic than me. You've got more, even nowadays, you've got more podcast downloads than me. You've got more Twitter followers than me if you want to get really useless. <laughs> There's, uh, so you can make all these comparisons. And, and I, I think it gave me a, a negative thoughts that I didn't need to have because I was building nicely and, and, and I was just making the wrong comparisons at the wrong time. Absolutely. And I think that can be related to anything in life, right? It's a lot of comparing yourself with other people and that just leads to discontent, disappointment, unhappiness. Yeah, it's the business version of keeping up with the Joneses. I'm I'm looking over the fence and seeing, oh, they've got that traffic. And it it doesn't matter that they started their site five years earlier. I still feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, And and that's just really not the case. There's a, a, a certain growth trend that you just have to follow over over time and and you can't you can't compare yourself to other people in other situations. Mhm. Yeah, I'm learning that I think the main focus should be like on my content and like how I'm doing and how I feel about it and just being consistent with it. Mm-hmm. At what point were you able to start monetizing your blog? Well, I tried to immediately. Um, it, it didn't produce any results. But back then, especially, uh, Google AdSense was a big thing. The the little uh, square ads people will see in, oh, yes. inside content. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still use them. They're they're not really the the recommended options nowadays. But I, I had that inserted on day one. I had signed up for a couple affiliates on day one. Um, now, in reality, uh, it it took me six months to get my f- first payment. Um, in, in the case of Google AdSense, that's earning $100. So I didn't even earn $100 in a month. I earned $100 over the six months and finally hit the, the threshold for a payment uh, at that point. So yeah, it monetized as far as an action from day one. I didn't actually make any money until, until six months in. That's still pretty good though. I mean, I think that's, yeah, it's pretty quick. Yeah, maybe looking at it now. Um, again, back then though, I wanted everything to happen immediately. It felt like, and, and th- this is the thing I try to get people to, to realize and, and not think anymore, but, but you, you think like, oh, if I, if I put this, this blog or this podcast up, they will come. And it's not the case <laughs> unless you, unless you kind of mm-hmm. step out of your comfort zone a little and, and, and promote that content to them. Yeah. And especially now the market is so saturated. <laughs> In a way, yes. There's definitely a lot more blogs and podcasts than there was back in 2009. But at the same time, there's a lot that drop off. Like I said, everybody before me, when I started in 2009, I thought there were too many Canadian personal finance blogs. Really? If you thought that then. <laughs> well, exactly. And they, they all dried up. And, and so it, I think everybody always thinks that. Uh, it's the same with podcasts. Uh, when, you, when you look at podcasts, there's, there's really not that many. Um, compared to where blogs are at now. Also, you, you got to consider how people are using the internet more now than they were then. If the amount of blogs or podcasts has increased 10 times, well, people's internet use has probably also increased 10 times over then too. So th- th- there's always sort of room to, to find your audience and have your, your little corner of that, that internet. I agree that I, I'd rather start in 2009 than 2020, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't discourage anyone to start now. You started your podcast in 2018. What inspired you to start a podcast on top of your blog? 
I, I really wanted to do it for a while and, and I kept putting it off. Another common mistake people make yeah. <laughs> is, is, is putting things off until it's perfect. So I, I probably waited about two years longer than I wanted to. Two years from the time I had the idea that I was going to have my own podcast. And at the time, I, I could see that, that this was uh, a, a different kind of uh, person that I could reach out to. And, and it's pretty much proven out that there are people that will only listen to the podcast and there are people that will only read the blog. Mm-hmm. The crossover isn't always all that clear. <laughs> so it, it's just kind of a, another format to, to connect with someone. Like you mentioned Instagram, there's, there's some people that only use Instagram and that's where they reach those people and that's where they help them there. Like it's, it's not, it's not that it, added anything to the blog so much. It, it truly was just this other, again, corner of the internet that, that you could connect with different set of people. Um, I, I even find that the topics and the style on the podcast are a little different based on who's listening to that compared to the, the blog and how we get traffic on the blog. So they're, they're obviously connected, but they, they feel really separate. It was sort of, it would be like if you had a, a franchise restaurant or store and, and you decided to make, to open up another one. There's, there's some ways that they join together, but there's, there's other ways where you're just serving a whole nother group of people. For sure. Because I think, yeah, people who listen to podcasts definitely prefer the audio format rather than maybe like looking at something on a screen. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it just depends on the, the topic that I, I'm interested in. Some, sometimes uh, certain topics I, I like to uh, watch on YouTube and, and other topics I like to listen on a podcast while I'm driving or mowing the lawn. And then some I want to read and I want to see stats in front of me. Like it just depends on the, the, the format. And, and I don't mean jumping around topics within your, within your niche, but, but just totally different things that, that you might want to take in different ways. What kind of differences are you noticing between blogging and podcasting that may not be immediately obvious? The differences in content creation for the two. At least in my case, I, I find that with the blog which is very search engine based. That's where we get a lot of the, the readers. We write in a professional format. You're speaking to that reader and, and you're trying to directly help them. With the podcasts, I've relaxed a bit <laughs> that, that uh, we, we just have conversations and see, see what, what someone's thoughts are on a topic. It, it gets a little bit more story-based. Now, I say, that's, I say that's in my case because if you, if you look at other blogs, um, there's other blogs that will do that personal story on the blog. So, so it's, it's what's different in my case, but it's not necessarily what's different uh, for everybody. I think you just got to find that, that different format. Like on the blog, how I said stats and numbers, I like to display those there, have charts there, compare uh, different services. Uh, everything is a little more visual that way. Uh, but on the podcast, if, if I'm going to mention a number, I'm going to round it up to <laughs> whatever, whatever kind of sounds the, the easiest to digest when someone's just, just listening with their ears. You, you can't get into the, into the, the fine details. You, you, you got to look more at, we'll cover things that are, that are a little more mindset-based and, and not getting down to these sort of really uh, exact details all the time that we do on the, on the blog. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be a little hard to visualize like exact numbers and stuff through yeah, audio. So, so <laughs> you just got to think, you got to put yourself in the shoes of the person reading or listening and, and think about how those are two different mediums. Yes, absolutely. 
What do you wish you'd known 10 years ago when you were first starting out? If you could give some advice to your former self. If I could give advice to, to myself specifically, it would be uh, not to take shortcuts. Again, just that impatience. There were times where I would go down, and, and I don't want to talk too SEO based, but but I'd go down these paths of, of easy things. Like you, you could back in 2010, 2011, uh, there were all sorts of scammy ways to get links and rank higher. And uh, it burned me later uh, when, when Google made updates. My 2012 and 2013, if I remember, weren't so, weren't so great. <laughs> and uh, it, it was all from trying to take some, some shortcuts that worked at the time. And, and maybe ultimately they still helped me because it, it made the site bigger sooner. But uh, if I had known better, I, I would have focused more on sort of that slow build, just just keep putting those bricks on the wall kind of thing, because you, you don't want to, you, you don't want to just take a, a shortcut. It's similar with podcasting. I've, I've heard of people just doing real scammy things, uh, maybe a few years ago, I don't know if it's still a thing now, but where you could up your download counts and then show that to sponsors. And it just seems such a, a useless uh practice that that wasn't going to actually get you anywhere in the long run. I mean, yeah, it's just like investing too, right? Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a perfect analogy because it, it, it would be the same thing. You can, you can try to, to make a quick buck trying to get that, that hot penny stock or whatever, but uh, in the long run, you're better off just, just focusing on what works over that decade and, instead of trying to do really well that year. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Speaking of finances, you mentioned in your About Me page that you're hoping to scale your online business enough so you're able to retire early from your day job. And I don't know if you've like not updated that yet, or are you at a point where you're able to do that with your blog? I'm at an awkward point with that. Um, <laughs> there, with my business makes more than my day job now. So the, the, the side hustle has become bigger than the day job. Okay. Uh, but I still, I still juggle both. So your day job's your side hustle now? <laughs> In a strange way, yes. Uh, it's, it's something I can still do and, and it's, it's not bothering me enough to, to leave. It's still sort of that, it's that same decision if you were a, a dual income couple and you were wondering if like one of, the, one of the spouses should quit their job. It's still that same tough decision. Mm-hmm. If I was in a career that didn't pay as well, uh, had a, a much tougher schedule, hard to get the vacation time you wanted, um, I, I think I'd have a very different opinion on this. But really, my, my job has never gotten in my way of doing these things. I've, ne- I've never been told like, oh, I can't take this week off when I want it or anything like that. So it, it's, it's just a different position for me. But, but I, I know other people where they're, they're working that thirty or $40,000 job. Maybe they're working at a till or something like that or in a restaurant and it's, it's wearing them down. It's, it's taking up all their time. Then that's something different. <laughs> that's where you, you might want to leave sooner because it's, it's all the sooner you can beat that income. So it's, it's, it's one of these things that I know what works for me, but it's not necessarily what I would suggest to everybody. Uh, there, there was a time where it truly felt like two full-time jobs where, where I was working uh, 60 to 80 hours a week and, and being praised for my hustling. But I, I, at the same time, it was wearing me down. So I, mm-hmm. th- that's when I started hiring a lot of uh, things out. Like a lot of my podcast production is, is hired out because I know that I, I can't keep adding that time on. But Income-wise, it's just tough to get rid of a, a, a second income. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I'll I'll wait 
until they no longer need me. <laughs> and and then, then I'll, I'll be fine with that choice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think you're in a pretty lucky place because I know a lot of people who are trying to reach financial independence are doing so because they hate their job. Yeah, I, I should say that there was a point where just to have the income before it was before it passed the point of being more than the day job, even to just have that that side hustle be even like up to 50% of your day job, it changes how you view your job as long as you don't truly hate it. I know there's people that just truly hate their jobs, but I loosened up a lot at, at my job. I, I didn't I didn't mind uh, voicing my opinion. Uh, and because of that, it kind of rewarded me. People actually appreciated that. Most people appreciated it. Some people still like their yes men, but uh, um, <laughs> most people appreciated me uh, speaking up in meetings and, and voicing opinions uh, about different things where before you felt like you had to be quieter. So you get Maybe it's just my case, but it, as you feel a little more secure by having a, an additional income, it, it can actually make that career go a, a little smoother because uh, I don't want to make it sound as callous as you just don't care, mm-hmm. but but you're at, you're at least feeling more able to to be yourself at your work and see where see where that goes. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like that is really true because when you're trying to impress, it may actually just backfire. Mm-hmm. Are you at a point where you are financially independent? I struggle with this because I, I don't like getting into some of the hard math rules in the in the in the fire movement. Like the twenty five times your like total expenses. Yeah, like yeah. I can't say I've actually even calculated that. Um, I would say that I I potentially am, especially still having the the business. If I were to supposedly retire from my career, I'd still have the business. Um, That gives me a whole nother issue about the idea of retire early because I would not actually be retired. Um, (laughs) So in a a way, I probably would be, but it would be uh, less comfortable (laughs) than than having the the, the two incomes right now. So it's it's just something I don't really um, stress too much. I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what life's all about, right? Just finding your balance and being happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I that's why I call it like FI and not FIRE because I think a lot of people do want to continue working. Like even when I reach FI, like I would love to be a yoga teacher or barista or something. Like I don't mind doing those things. It's just, yeah, having the flexibility to do what you want with your time, I think is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you read a lot of books or read a lot of books. Do you have any top personal finance books that you recommend to people? The the ones I recommend are still the ones that, that, sort of gave me that that pivot in life. Like I I wasn't interested in my finances at all during my, my twenties, but, uh, when when I first got interested in it, the, the the first two books I read was the little book of common sense investing, and and that that one just completely opened my eyes to sort of the the, the problem I had with the mutual funds I had. I thought I was doing a good job with by having all these these different mutual funds uh, that mm-hmm. had high fees. Uh, they were all picked because they were really good last year, kind of thing. And um, this book. Uh, basically talking about index funds, but nowadays in Canada, we just say ETFs for, for, for these. It totally changed my, my mind about how average results are actually often better <laughs> than, than, than mm-hmm. trying to beat it because average is actually better than average because of the fees that come off. So that, that one 
I actually read it first uh, and that changed my mind on investing. But the one I read second, I would actually recommend first, which is The Wealthy Barber. And that book is just such a, an easy read that's all encompassing. So instead of just going down this investing uh, trail with, <laughs> with uh, the little book of common sense investing, uh, with, with The Wealthy Barber, you're, you're just getting, getting this, this big picture personal finance in a, in a novel format. So it's, it's just something you can easily read. I, I think people can do this at a, at a younger age too. Um, it's, it's written so easy. Like this, this could have been a book I could have been assigned in high school. I wish I was assigned in high school <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, to, to actually sort of pick up those lessons in, in a simple novel style. The book that I recommend to people is Millionaire Teacher because that's the book that got me into ETF investing and everything. I was like, wow, it's so easy. (laughs) What are some key takeaways or advice for people looking to start a blog or podcast in 2021? I think it really is. You just need to get started. I wouldn't wait for perfect. I mentioned how how I started my my podcast probably two years too late because I, I was I was waiting for everything to just align. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I look back at it and compare it to to the blog, the blog I started in two thousand nine, and at the time it was called Canadian Finance Blog. It was a terrible name. Nobody could ever remember it because it was too generic. So <laughs> it would get all spun around as Canadian Personal Finance and everything like that. And it took me to 2017 to change to Maple Money. So I went that, that first eight years as Canadian finance blog. If, if I had waited to get this idea of, of the, the perfect blog name and, and, and find the right domain and everything, I, I could have waited eight years. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I, I think it's just about getting started. I've, I've had so many people say, oh, I'm thinking about starting a blog, but I'm not sure what theme to get. And I, I, I don't know if, if I want to do these kind of articles or that kind of article. And it, it's none of that matters <laughs> as much as, as just starting and kind of finding your way uh, through it, um, especially with a blog, because it's, it's really easy to, to go back and change those articles as, as you learn new things and you want to make them more complete and, and such. But, but even with a podcast, like I said, with, with Joe Rogan, what, what you look like 10 years later isn't what you're going to look like when you start. And, and everybody hates the way they sound on a podcast. Everybody hates the, the questions they ask. They, they hate everything about when yeah. they start a podcast. <laughs> And you could probably look at almost any podcast. If you look at episode one in the most recent episode, uh, you'll see progression there. And and that's all because they got started. If you want a certain level of professionalism and just really feeling in the groove with either a blog or a podcast, it's all about that time built up. It, everybody's got to go through it and learn it and and just get to that point. And, and none of that happens until you start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true and great advice. Very motivational. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for joining me. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they do that? They can go to the site at maplemoney.com. They can search for the Maple Money Show in their podcast player of choice. And you can look for Maple Money or Tom Drake on most of the social platforms. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.